for Pfizer, total contracts of the European Union was 72 billion euros to buy vaccines. They bought 10 vaccines for every person in the European Union. So it's a huge amount of taxpayers' money. Today I sit down with Rob Roos, a Dutch member of the European Parliament. Roos made global headlines after he got a Pfizer executive to publicly admit that Pfizer's COVID vaccine was never tested for stopping transmission of the virus. At that moment I realized this is a game changer because everyone in the Western world had the feeling they were fooled by the governments. They had chosen to serve the people, but they fooled the people. We discuss the response to the pandemic in the Netherlands and in Europe. Why Roos believes common sense should prevail over official guidelines when liberty is at stake. It's a dangerous situation because now it's the vaccine. What's the next time? This is American Thought Leaders, and I'm Janja Kellek. Rob Roos, such a pleasure to have you on American Thought Leaders. A pleasure to be here. Rob, you made history a while back, I think, by getting a Pfizer representative to agree that the company never tested for transmission of the virus in the creation of the vaccine. Before we go there, and I remember this clip very well, I think it was seen over 13 million times. Who is Rob Rose? How did he become a politician? Yeah, it was never meant to be. Uh, I was a businessman, an entrepreneur. I had my own companies. I founded a lot of companies, I bought companies, I merged them, and I've seen it all, I've done it all. And um, there was a certain moment that I was repeating myself in this game. Uh, money was never a goal for me. Um, I believed in things and uh, I, I loved to do that. And it, it was passion, passion and love, that, that was my motivation. Uh, I, I had an engineering company in, in energy, and, and telecom, and um, there was a there was a certain moment I I, I decided to, to sell it, and I want only to focus on, on my telecom company because I started to invest in fiber optic networks in in the Netherlands. So I in 2016 I sold my engineering company and focus on the telecom company. And at that time, um, two things happened. I live in the, in the Netherlands. I'm from the Netherlands. It's a, it's a beautiful country. And, but I didn't believe in politics anymore. It, I, I didn't know how to vote, who to vote for. That, that was really, for me, a difficult thing. And I said to my wife, shall we move to the United States? But she said, uh, <laughs> if you want to go, you have to go alone <laughs> because I'm not coming with you. So I had to stay in my... Um, um, yeah, in my own country. My wife and I, we met when we were 16. I'm 56 now, so we are together for 40 years. That's <laughs> a long time. And um, so I, I decided to stay. And at exactly the same time, someone, a private equity from London came to me and he, he said, I want to buy your shares of your telecom company. At the same time, I met someone who was in a think tank and he said, we are going to change our think tank in a political party. Um, so I said, I donate. Because it was a very young and fresh guy. He had a very clear vision about politics and I, I liked that. And I said, okay, I, uh, I sponsor you so you can make 
your campaign. And after a couple of weeks, he called me, can you, do, can you help us? Can you do the campaign in Rotterdam? But I was never involved in politics. I, have, I had no idea. But, well, as an entrepreneur, you, you roll up your sleeves and you go. So I said, okay, I, I help you. And from one thing, I, I rolled into the other things. And it, it first it was the region of Rotterdam, then it was the region of South Holland. And before I knew it, I was arranging everything uh, for, for, for the complete party in the Netherlands. So it was never meant to be to be um, in politics, but it, all these things happened at the same time. And it's so strange, but I don't believe in coincidence. It, it, I had the feeling it has to be this way. So at a certain moment, they, they asked me, we want you on the list. I said, no, I'm not going on the list. That's not my, uh, my cup of tea. Um, but they convinced me, and, um, and I did. And that's how I became a member of the European Parliament. As an entrepreneur, knowing nothing about politics, but just uh, use, I, I just have common sense. And what year is this now? You enter European Parliament. What year is this? The year? Well, the the, the 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 moment that it started, that I sold my first cluster of companies, that was 2016. And um, but when you entered European Parliament, that, that was, was 2019. Right. So this is right before the pandemic. That was right before the pandemic. There was a, we had a, a very bright future before us. But then COVID hit. So what happens? I mean, I heard, I understand Netherlands locked down pretty hard to start. Three times, yes. Well, when the first signals of COVID came in, I was pretty scared. I really, um, because they told us 3% of the people are going to die. And 3%, that means one out of 33. That means that you, everyone knows someone who is going to die. I was really scared at that time. And my idea was, because I was involved in politics at that time, I wrote a, um, a script for COVID for our political party. I, I, my, my first intention was we should close our borders immediately for two weeks to isolate the people who are already infected, see who they are, our government didn't do that. They kept our waters open. Everyone came in, came out. Um, it was also carnival in, in the Netherlands. We had uh, big parties and yeah, the, the, the virus was everywhere. But it took me three months before I discovered that uh, it was um, a very uh, vicious disease for uh, vulnerable people. If you are uh, old or you have uh, obesitas or you, uh, what they call comorbidities yeah. yes yeah. then because I, I saw an interview with a doctor in of the uh, of the hospital in um, in in Rotterdam which is uh, the most respected hospital in in our country and he said there are no healthy people on the intensive care there are only people with underlying conditions over there okay if that's the case that's so much different because um, I live a pretty healthy lifestyle and I taught it also to my children. Um, I work out for four times a week. I only eat natural food, 
without all the e-numbers, you, you know, we have all these e-numbers in, in Europe. And uh, I was not afraid anymore. And also, for, I was not afraid for my children and maybe my parents. My parents were, yeah, vulnerable because they were old. But it changed my way of thinking about COVID. But the strange thing was that at that time, when I was transforming to, okay, it's not so bad as we thought it is, our government was starting with lockdown and even uh, after eight o'clock in, in the evening, people were not allowed to go outside, which was crazy. We were really locked up and um, small businesses were closed. Uh, let's say only the essential businesses were open, which I didn't understood because in the Netherlands we have coffee shops, we have liquor stores, uh, McDonald's. But the gyms and everything where, where you can be healthy, that was closed. And all the things where the, the, the bad food and, and all the bad stuff was for sale, that was open. They called it essential, uh, yeah, essential, essential businesses. Essential yeah. businesses. So that's when my fight was starting. Let's jump ahead a little bit. Um, right now we have the Department of Energy and uh, also the FBI basically saying there's most likely a lab leak, the cause origin of the virus. A lot of people that talked about this early on, like us in April of 2020, you know, were attacked for this. So what's your reaction to it? The, um, well, it was most likely that it was created. The, um, there is gain of function in, it was Wuhan, where it started, there is the lab, it's called the Wuhan lab, and the virus is the Wuhan virus. Um, so I'm, I'm not a specialist in that, but using common sense, I thought it's pretty obvious. What, I mean, what was it like in Netherlands uh, when, about this question? Was this an issue? Were people asking, were talking about it or not? Yeah, that's interesting because in the Netherlands we have uh, a lady, she is called Marion Koopmans and she is a virologue. Uh, and she was sent to Wuhan to find out if it was from the lab or it was from the market. And I know the day that she moved to uh, Wuhan to, to do the investigations, I think it, it was on behalf of the WHO and well I had the feeling the moment she arrived she concluded it's from the market it was very fast President Trump always said it's created over there if President Trump says something the left is always the opposite maybe President Trump should have said it's from the market then the left would have said no 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 it's from the lab and that for me that was the the big problem there was no real debate um, no one knew anything about this virus and what you need during a situation where you uh, do not know anything you should bring all the specialists together and have a real debate but there was only one narrative possible it was only one narrative about the solutions there was only one narrative about where it came from but what I see also in our committee in, in the European Parliament, they cover things up. They invite the people with the right narrative. If I ask critical questions, besides that one with Mr. Small, um, they, they don't give me a real answer. 
Right. You want to get to the bottom of the real situation. That's of course. the purpose of so the hearing. So where does it come from? Yeah. What did we... We did also things very well, but what could we have done better? That's what you want to know. That's also how I uh, managed my companies. I had very good people, uh, young people from the university, very technical, uh, educated people. And I said, okay, you, you can make mistakes because I don't want you to be on 80% of your knowledge. I want to go you to 110%. And of course, you make mistakes. We all are human. The second time, we must do better. And the th third time, I don't want to see the same mistake because then we have a different discussion. If you, if you don't learn, maybe you, you should do something else. Th that's my way of, of thinking. And, um, but, but what we see now in, in this uh, COVID narrative that is uh, covering things up, and it's just not good. In the Netherlands, they, they, give, you, they, they give you all kinds of names eh? if you are... Uh, I, I, if I disagree with the energy transition, you're a climate denier, uh, you have all kinds of names. In, in the Netherlands, they called you a, a WAPI, that, this is some kinds of anti-faxer or something like that. Uh, a WAPI? A WAPI, yes. Okay. For the majority of the people who, um, who are watching our uh, national television and, and news programs, they make people with a different... Uh, opinion look like fools on purpose to shut them down and most people did like I most people shut down basically of course, they of course, because, because they were being attacked because if you yeah you you're being attacked and you you have to uh, most people have to work for a living the the term in that I am come, comes to my mind we call it heckler's veto it's the loud person gets to decide the policy because they're very loud and not because it's reasonable or not because they've won the debate or something like that. Yeah. And, and there is no debate anymore on a lot of topics. The, the, the people give you names to avoid any discussions. But it was, for me it was very, very difficult because in politics um, they cancel you. Uh, if they can. It's, it's, um, to be honest, I don't feel like a politician. I feel more like a representative of the people. But I don't want to be in a position that I, I'm disqualified. So I, it was walking on, on X, a very thin line. What can I say? What can I... What, what, it's not possible for me to say. But sometimes you have to cross the line. And even people very, very close to me um, said, Rob, you should shut up. I said, sorry, but what's going on right now is, is a... Uh, they take away the freedom of the people. So I, I thought someone has to say it, someone has to do it. But it was, it was really, really difficult for me. Sometimes um, people very close to me disagree with me. You lost friends, you lost... Uh, I didn't lose lo lo lost family because uh, my, my, my children, they believe in me, my wife believes in me. And, um, but that's good that you have a good support at home. And the rest of the people, yeah, it's, it's, um, they can make their own choice, but, yeah. So then, and so what about this whole question about the vaccines? The vaccines rolled out, and why, why is it that you became skeptical about their use? It was not about the vaccine itself. It's, it's not a vaccine. It's, it's, I call it an mRNA shot. Um, they called it a vaccine on purpose because 
the word vaccine is accepted in society and this is a kind of marketing um, so people will accept it much more easy than than uh, this yeah, it's complete new technology. But I'm not a specialist in that, and I was not against it. I was not against it. I think people should have their own choice. If you want to take the vaccine, it should be available. But if you don't want to take the vaccine, it should also be respected. My biggest problem was that they pushed it in all of society. You have to do it for your grandmother, you have to do it for your grandfather, for the people around you. And I So just I want to check, this was also one of the narratives, because one of the sort of very powerful narratives is if you don't do this, you'll kill grandma. That, right? that was the This thing. was the same in Netherlands? Yes, yeah, that was the same in the Netherlands, in, in the whole of Europe. In Italy, people uh, above 50 um, should, have, should take the vaccine, otherwise they were not able to make a living anymore. They were not allowed to go to work. They took away uh, all the human rights of this, these people. That's it's, it was disgraceful. And but so I'm not against. My, my parents said, Rob, we think we are going to take the so-called vaccine. I said, I think it's a wise thing to do. At that time, I didn't know the, the side effects of the vaccines. But my father is very vulnerable. My mother is in a better condition. But I said, if that's your choice, it's your choice. But. To my children, my daughter was 24 at that time, my son was 19 at that time. I said, please don't. It's new. We do not know what the long-term effect of this new way of, of medicine, um, what, what the long-term effect is and what it's doing with our body. For me, I made the decision, I don't take it. Uh, I, I, I go to the gym, I eat healthy. Uh, I, I was not... Um, I made for myself a risk analysis. I'm not in the group who is um, uh, at high risk. At high yeah. risk, yeah, that, that was the, the thing. So uh, I was not even allowed to enter the parliament anymore. And this is, uh, that's so strong was the narrative. Um, and and that's, that was my biggest problem. It was not the vaccine because I'm not a medical doctor, I cannot judge about that. But the human rights and the, and the, they divided society and they took away the freedom of the people. That was my point to fight for. So, okay, but then you, the, the place that you got the world's attention was you were talking about the vaccines themselves, right? Not the choice, about transmission. So how did that come about? Uh, yes, I was talking about the, the vaccines because um, because of the narrative. You, you do it for all of society. You do it to protect you. Because that's what all the governments in Europe, also in the United States, maybe somewhere else. Uh, New Zealand was terrible. Uh, Australia also, big parts. I wanted to know, when I asked this question to uh, Miss Small of Pfizer, if it was tested. Because... <laughs> What I told you, I use common sense, and at that time we had Omicron. And I saw that everyone who was fully vaccinated and even had a booster, the, the more shots you, you had, the, the easier it was to, to be infected, infected again. I knew the answer already, and I also had uh, some papers of the Canadian doctors. They, um, so, but, but I asked the same questions to Moderna and AstraZeneca. 
and they make a workaround. They really they didn't answer my questions. But um, in the Parliament, we we had an issue with Pfizer because uh, Mr. Bola and Mrs. von der Leyen, our president of the European Commission, exchanged text messages. And New York Times asked for transparency. What's in the text message? Because it's about the contracts. And the contracts uh, for Pfizer, I estimated on 35, 40 billion euros. Total contracts of the European Union was 70, 72 billion euros uh, to buy vaccines. They bought 10 vaccines for every person in the European Union. So it's a huge amount of taxpayers' money. And we wanted to have Mr. Bola in our committee, transparency. That's what it's all about. Mr. Bula didn't want to come. He sent Mrs. Small. And we, we have, a, let's say, a team divided over all kinds of groups, from the Greens to the Socialists, uh, people who have different ideas in, in politics, but on this, issue, and on this issue we had the same thoughts. And we were exposing this for the whole week. Mr. Bula, you have to come to our committee to, to bring transparency. It was on social media, so there was a lot of pressure. But Mr. Bula said, I'm not coming. There was a lot of press behind me. And then it was my time to ask the question. And I already asked these questions to AstraZeneca, Moderna, without an answer. So I had a different approach this time. There was a lot of pressure on Mrs. Mrs. Small. And I started my question in Dutch uh, about transparency. And then I switched to English. And I talked about, is the Pfizer vaccine tested on, on stopping the transmission before it entered the market? Then she gave me a real answer. Was the Pfizer COVID vaccine tested on stopping the transmission of the virus before it entered the market? If not, please say it clearly. If yes, are you willing to share the data with this committee? And I really want a straight answer, yes or no, and I'm looking forward to it. Thank you very much. Um, regarding the question around, um, did we know about stopping humanisation before um, it entered the market? No. Uh, these, um, you know, we had to really move at the speed of science to really understand what is taking place in the market. And at that moment, I realised this is a game changer. This, this, I immediately texted it to my assistant. This is a game changer. Right after this interview, I made this, this video, uh, also with an intro and an outro, and um, yeah, we put it online, and, went, and, and it was crazy, it went so viral, because everyone in, in the Western world, let, I can speak for them, I think, had the feeling they were fooled, really fooled by the governments. And that's not what governments should do. They're chosen to serve the people, but they fooled the people. It was a false narrative, and of course, some people didn't know, but there are really a lot of people who did know, and yeah, they abused their power, because during a crisis, you can do all kinds of things that you normally are not able to do. Now, I'm sort of imagining what might happen, right? The governments will say, well, it's actually the vaccine companies, the big pharma that fooled us, right? Uh, but that's not true. 
Um, there was a uh, there was a lot of uh, media attention in in the Netherlands about me that I was creating misinformation. Mr. Bola also treated Mr. Rose is uh, giving um, misinformation because we never said it was tested on, on stopping the, the transmission. But that was not my argument. My argument was that our governments said that. But Mr. Bula could have said to our governments, listen, we didn't test it on that. You, you better not push people to these vaccines with, uh, with this argument. He didn't do that because there's a lot of money involved, of course. Our governments, why didn't they ask the same question that I did? Maybe they did. Maybe they knew. But if, if they didn't know, they should have asked. I'm sure they knew. They abused it. Are you trying to find out? Are you trying to basically figure out if this was known at the government level already? It's for, for me, it's very difficult to, uh, to find, to, to, to do that research because I'm in the European Parliament and this is on a national level. But, um, for example, here in the United States, Anthony Fauci, Dr. Anthony Fauci, many, many times said, I am the science and uh, if you are vaccinated, the virus is a dead end. But they're really criticizing science because I represent science. That's dangerous. So, or he knew or he is not the science. I don't believe in the science. Science should be questioned. Science that cannot be questioned is just propaganda. Um, but of course they knew. So what, what happened after that? So suddenly there's this revelation. How do your fellow European Parliament members and politicians respond? Yeah, it was, it was amazing. Um, I received a lot of positive um, response maybe 60 percent but there was also a lot of negative response of the people who were in this narrative and who maybe felt fooled for all this time but didn't want to admit but uh, people uh, so it was so nice people of the cleaning service people of the IT service in the, in the European Parliament came to me and, uh, and, and came to thank me and it was really, really nice. But also, um, uh, yeah, other, other, other politicians, the, 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 some of them, they were um, really happy with the news. I was not able to enter the parliament because I was not, uh, for me it was difficult to show a green pass. And, but think about that, that you, as a parliament with uh, representative of the people are not allowing certain kind of representatives because they have a different opinion on things. It's a dangerous situation because now it's the vaccine. What's the next time if you can exclude people with a different opinion in a, a parliament which is the, uh, the highest um, repre representation of democracy. So I, I went to the court because if they want to fight, I fight. I went to the court in Luxembourg to the European Court of Justice to, to fight this, uh, this exclusion. I had to, three times a week, I had to do a test because I had to show that I was 
uh, not infected. But the, 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 the real thing was that I was the only one who could prove that, that I was not affected. My colleagues with a green pass, they entered the parliament sneezing and coughing. I was infected with COVID in February 2021 in the parliament by my colleague who had entered the parliament and was infected. Because people had this false feeling of safety, they went to bars, they went to the shops. For me, it's, it's very obvious that if you have symptoms, you stay at home. I think that's the, the best thing to do. But these people felt so safe because our government said, you have a green pass, you are, you are, you, you, you are uh, vaccinated, you can stand wherever you want. And they were the ones who infected the rest of society. That's why, in my opinion, the levels keep, kept on rising also in the hospitals. So there were some fact checkers that came out in response to this whole situation, right? So I want to I wanna just read you something. One of them read, one of them wrote, said, one fact checker says, Pfizer always, was always clear it did not test whether the vaccines reduced the risk of transmission among already infected individuals, but the trial did show the vaccines reduced infection risk in the first place. So reduce the risk of onward infection. Yes, um, um, the, the narrative was, if you are vaccinated, you reduce the amount of virus particles. I don't know if that's the right word, but you reduce the, the, the amount of virus part, particles and then you, um, that's how we reduce the, the spread of the, of the disease. And it was not my argument that Pfizer never said it. My argument was that our government pushed people while they knew it was just not true. Of course, Pfizer did not ever say it was not tested. But they knew. They should have be honest about this. Our government should have be honest about this. Some people have said that your actions have reduced the public trust in vaccines, and this is the problem. What's your reaction? Well, that's not, <laughs> it's not, that's not my fault because they push the people. I just, I just fight for the truth and I would just want to know what happened and try to learn from that. If there is no trust, if there is less trust in, in vaccination, I think they should look in the mirror because they use false narratives. I'm, I'm really not against vaccination. I'm vaccinated for everything except this, 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 this uh, COVID vaccine. I didn't, I didn't took it because it, it, it's, it's so strange. I'm not a medical doctor, but if, if, if you have a... Um, you, you cannot have a an, an vaccine for a virus because viruses trans, 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 transmuting? Oh, it's uh, mutating M a lot. Mutating... Right. It's my duty as a representative of the people to ask a critical question. That is my main duty. And that's what I'm doing. So how do you think there will be accountability? And where is the, where does the accountability fall? There seem to be a lot of players. Well, for me, there are two kinds of players. Um, the people who, who push the narrative, but didn't really know 
for me, if they say, sorry, I was wrong, it's okay. We have to move on in life. But there were, are people, they really know, they really knew that, um, that, what, we, that what they did was, was wrong. And I think they should be held accountable. And uh, for example, in, here in the United States, you have Dr. Fauci, and I think he's one of them. We, in, the, in the beginning, you had this um, great uh, this declaration. I forgot the name. Great Barrington Declaration. That one. And there were there, 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 a lot of scientists, medical specialists, who tried to open the debate. And he really smashed it down by some emails. I made mistakes. I will make mistakes every day. But I try to learn from it. And if, if I make a mistake, I will say, sorry, I, I try to do better next time. And, and that's what should happen also in politics, but also with people. But Dr. Fauci, he really, he was busy cover up his mistakes. If it were mistakes, I don't know. But we have also these people in the Netherlands. And, well, the, let's say the people on the top level who knew everything, but um, no matter what, they pushed this narrative. I think they should be held accountable because it destroyed lives. It destroyed businesses. Um, it divided families. We have spent so much money, so much money. If you see the, the money that is printing during COVID, in, in, in Europe we had a 800 billion euros um, support of our economy. In the United States it was also the same. We cannot let that go. Um, people. We, we should not ever make the same mistake again for, for humanity, but also for our economy, for the small businesses. No, this, people should be held accountable. These people should be held accountable. Here, you've probably been following the Twitter files, right? That's showing the sort of, you know, kind of collusion between government entities and big tech to censor these alternative narratives, like, for example, the Great Barrington Declaration people, Jay Bhattacharya notably. Um, it's likely something similar happened in European countries. We don't, I don't know, I haven't seen uh, any evidence directly. But what, what, what are your thoughts on this? Do you know anything about this? I, I'm so happy that Elon Musk took over Twitter. Really, I, um, it is so necessary because I was also, I had a hard time on, on social media because they, 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 the last warning, my LinkedIn was, they took it away from me. Uh, I had to hire a very expensive lawyer to, to get it back. But they keep people stupid with big tech, with the mainstream media. But big tech played a significant role. And of course there is a lot of yeah, misinformation, and a lot of conspiracy theories. But we also need a real debate. So I believe in making people more resilient, I taught my children to be critical in everything they see and they read. Uh, I think that's what we should do also in on elementary schools. We should start teaching children to be critical thinkers. That's much better than a government that tried to keep away information from us. Our governments were also spreading misinformation about you do it for all of society, you do it for your grandparents. They should leading by example. But big tech was um, 
um, they played a major role and the Twitter files are very interesting. I, uh, I recorded a video, I asked Elon Musk to come to the parliament and also show what our member states, and maybe it's even on a uh, level of the European Commission, um, communicated with, with Twitter. I'm so curious, I have no idea, not yet, but there are... Um, uh, I, I saw something that he announced that uh, there is information coming. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very curious, but um, we need to find out what happened. We need to learn, we need to know the truth. Now I believe in the truth. The truth will, in the end, always come out. Um, any final thoughts as we finish? It's a difficult fight, um, the fight for freedom. Um, I think more people should do that. Um, my thought is, um, please think critical. Don't believe anything they say. Uh, make up your own mind. If we want to have a real democracy, we should fight together. And I hope the people learn from all of this um, because we have a lot of a lot of other issues, uh, for example, the the, the, the climate change, um, which is a real thing. The climate is changing, but it's changing for 4.5 billion years. Um, should we spend all this money to do things that really don't have any effect on the result? You, 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 there's no measurable result. But it's also a part of taking away the freedom of the people. Um, so we have a lot of things to, to do yet, but I hope that we can do it together and that people start thinking critically and don't believe everything that is said because they really, the people are really in power. If they go out for a vote and make the right choices, then we can create a real democracy. Well, Rob Rose, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show. It's my pleasure, and um, thank you for having me. Thank you all for joining Rob Rose and me on this episode of American Thought Leaders. I'm your host, Yanya Kelleck.